Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 281 of Weekly Poker Hand. Today we're going to be reviewing another exciting hand from the 2000-4000 game put on by Party Poker and Triton Poker in Montenegro. If you have not been watching their streams, check them out. They are an excellent, excellent source of educational content and entertaining content because you're watching the best players in the world play with some of the richest players in the world who also happen to be great at poker, and you can learn a ton. And we're going to be going through one of these interesting hands today. So Isaac Haxton, one of the best players in the world, makes it 10,000 in the cutoff with ace-seven offsuit. And then Makita Badzikowski, another one of the best players in the world, has ace-queen on the button, and he has to decide if he should call or three-bet. And I think either play is fine. Um, there are certainly times where you want to be three-betting, especially if you don't expect your opponent to four-bet very often at all, because then you're usually just um, getting equity and good pre-flop, right? Like, say you know you could three-bet ace-queen and then fold to a four-bet because you think your opponent's only four-betting aces, kings, and queens, and jacks at ace-king. That's just a great play. But that's not where we are today because we have Isaac Haxton opening. And also, the players in the blinds... Um, Linus Loliger, I think that's how you say his name. And also Daniel Cates are in the, is in the big blind. So we have two world-class players in the big blind. And it creates for an interesting dynamic because you would like to three-bet the ace-queen to get heads up in position with an equity advantage against Isaac Haxton. But at the same time, if you three-bet, one of those players may four-bet and put you in a bad spot. Also, if you flat call, though, with ace-queen... And one of the blinds three bets, you can just easily call and see the flop with a relatively disguised hand. So there are certainly merits to calling or three betting, and I think you should very often mix it up. Bedzikowski does call. We are all, are all playing about 120 big blinds deep or so. All right, so Loliger calls with the king eight of clubs in the small blind, which I think is fine and reasonable. And Daniel Cates folds the big blind. All right, seven, four, four. Loliger checks, as he should do with this whole range. And now Isaac Haxton has to figure out if he wants to be betting in this scenario. So if the big blind was in this hand, Isaac Haxton would have to be way more concerned with the big blind having a four, which should lead him to doing a lot more checking, which means when he does bet, he's probably going to want to use a polarized strategy, right? Meaning he's just going to be betting his best hands, which you know, could include the a7, and then some drawy type hands that usually lack showdown value, like Jack-10 of Diamonds may want to bet here because it has overcards, backdoor draws, but no, no showdown value. In this scenario, though, it's pretty unlikely either player has a four, right? And if that's the case, Isaac Haxton should probably shift now to betting very frequently just because he has a bit of a range advantage, although it's probably close. Um, so betting small and frequently. So what is small in this scenario? Pots 38,000. I would go, I don't know, 16,000 or so, maybe something like that. I think that's pretty nice. As you start going bigger and bigger, you're going to force the junkie-ish hands to fold. And then that's going to result in you getting called by mostly good draws and um, overpairs, right? So you really don't want to be getting called by good draws and overpairs. And I say good draws, I mean stuff like 9-8 of hearts, right? If you can just make the 9-8 of hearts fold with a slightly bigger bet, I guess... I, what I'm saying is 9-8 of hearts is going to call any reasonable bet. But if you can get your opponent to call with, like, ace-six of diamonds, 
that's that's clearly amazing, right? Because then a6 of diamonds is drawing pretty thin on 7-4-4 with just a backdoor flush draw. So as you start betting smaller, I think you're going to get called by more junky hands that a7 has in decent shape. So I don't think you want to go too big. Some people look at this and think they need to bet big for protection because they want hands like jack-10 of diamonds to fold. But when you bet big like that, yeah, jack-10 of diamonds will fold, but you have to always consider what is going to give you action. All right, so... Haxton does bet 12,000, really tiny bet. And now Badzikowski with ace-queen has to figure out if he needs to call, fold, or raise. And I think calling is going to be the best option unless he knows for some reason that Lolliger is going to be sticking around with the king-eight of clubs. Which, you know, if you have... I'm sorry, not that he's going to call the king-eight of clubs, but you need to figure out if the player in the small blind connected with this board and plans on continuing, right? Because if you can tell because you're not playing against the best players in the world, most likely. If you're playing 1-2 or 2-5 at your casino, and you can just look and tell the player in the small blind is like pumped up. They're ready. They're playing this pot. Definitely just fold the ace-queen even to a tiny bet. But if you can tell the player in the, in the small blind is definitely folding because they're playing on their phone or watching TV, well, then you should definitely call. So I like the call. There's not a whole lot of merit in raising because if you raise, what's going to call you? Well, pairs, right? And you lose to pairs, so... It's either a call or fold spot, but facing this tiny bet, you should probably stick around. Bolliger does let go the overcards and bad backdoor draws. Turns to three of spades, and Haxton now has to figure out if he should value bet. I think he could value bet. If he's going to value bet again, he needs to go small. For the same reason, I think a small bet made sense on the flop. Um, that said, I think checking's pretty nice, because if you are against an overpair, which Badzikowski certainly could have... Uh, you want to do your best to minimize losses, and also you don't really mind inducing bluffs, because when you bet the flop with a7, you get a lot of the random overcards to fold, like we just saw the king eight of clubs fold, right? So now, Badzikowski's going to have a whole lot of ace-high type hands that may just fold to another bet, which is not good, because those hands are drawing thin to dead. I guess not dead, but thin. And if he does have a float like jack-10 of diamonds that floated or 9-8 of hearts or whatever, he's going to be very, very inclined to bet. So I, I like the check by Haxton here, just looking to have an easy check call. He does check. I don't think Badzikowski needs to bet. Just check it back. Try to get to the showdown with the ace-queen. Does go check, check. River is now the 10 of diamonds. So interesting card. Haxton sells the best hand pretty much every time. Um, question is, should he go for value? Well, kind of like on the flop, he's trying to get called by a pretty rough hand, like, well, ace high. So how much will ace high call? In this scenario, whenever you are considering having a value betting range, you want to ask, what am I trying to get called by with my specific type of hand? So in this scenario, Haxon should definitely have multiple bet sizes, one bet size for when he's trying to get called by like an overpair, and then another bet size when he's trying to get called by junky marginal hands. Now, he needs to make sure he does have some nut hands in both of those ranges, but he should have proportionally more nut hands in the big bet size. What a lot of people do very, very wrong here is they will bet big with all their effective nut hands and some bluffs, and then bet small with only marginal made hands, like a7 or pocket eights, right? And then if your opponent knows your small bets indicate a marginal made hand, well, what's their response? They should just, well, call with all their slightly better marginal made hands raise small with their you know strong hands and probably make a big raise with all their bluffs because say Haxton does bet 20,000 here into the 62,000 pot and gets raised to 
180,000, <laughs> you know, what is it going to do with the A7? It's probably just going to end up folding. And you want to make sure that your range is well protected. So I am fine with the check. And, you know, an exploit I make against a lot of strong players is I do a lot of checking here because they may not bet the turn with all their floats. Maybe they check it back with the king, queen of diamonds, let's say, that did not turn much equity. And then they'll bluff it on the river. Um, also, you can get people to value bet a little bit thinly if you check. And the nice thing about checking is it makes it to where your opponent's going to have a really tough time bluffing you at will whenever you check. So I, I definitely think this is a spot where Haxon should either check or bet small. It's I, I know how I said that Badzikowski would float flop, perhaps, with stuff like Jack-10 of diamonds or Jack-10 of clubs or Jack-10 of hearts. So he could have the 10 here when the river comes to 10. However, if he did have a hand like Jack-10 on the flop, he probably would have bluffed it on the turn, right? So even though that hand may be in Badzikowski's range, he's probably betting a lot of those on the turn besides exactly like ace-10, right? So this is a scenario where I, I think Haxon can go for a thin value bet if he feels inclined, but I do not think it's mandatory. You have to make sure your range is really, really well protected or you're making an exploit on your opponent. Looks like Haxon does go for a small bet, 20K. And now Badzikowski has a tough spot with the ace-queen. He loses to all made hands. Whenever your opponent does bet small, like I said, it usually is going to be... The range should be structured where it's a lot of marginal made hands, and ace-queen loses to a lot of marginal made hands. So this is a dicey spot. Against players who are good, strong opponents who understand game theory optimal strategies, you just want to be asking in this scenario, do I beat bluffs, right? And the answer is yes, you beat bluffs. So in that scenario, you probably aren't going to go too wrong by calling the small bet. It's nice when you beat some value hands. Like in this scenario, say Badzikowski had pocket fives or something like that. Then I, I definitely like a call because for all we know, Hacks may be making a tiny bet with ace three. Who knows? I don't know if that's necessarily true, but maybe he is. And um, if you ever beat any of the value hands, that allows you to just easily call. But this ace queen doesn't really beat many value hands. So I'm not exactly sure what he's supposed to do. Should he raise here ever? Probably not. So, Badzikowski gives it some thought, thinks it over. I mean, he's definitely in a tough spot. And, you know, a lot of people look at this and say, oh, it's only 20K, five big blinds. Why do you care? Well, because that matters. Badzikowski does give it some thought, but makes the call, and Isaac Haxton gets a nice, thin value bet through. That's going to be it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. We're going to go through a few more of these hands from the Triton Poker cash game at Montenegro. I like these. These are fun. I learn a lot by watching these. So come back next week and we'll check out another one. Thanks for watching. Have fun. And I'll talk to you then.